Hey, everybody, welcome back. This week, I want to talk about organizational culture. And, you know, I recently got back from this customer experience conference, the Customer Service Revolution. And it was it was wonderful to learn a lot about what matters to customers and their experience. But several of the speakers talked a lot about employees and employee culture and employee experience and employee value proposition. And it's something that you know, matters to anyone who's building a business, whether, you know, you're using a podcast to, to or not. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience and how at the point my business is at Emerald City Productions, we are really starting to look at organizational culture now. And I found this wonderful article um, written by Asana about their organizational culture and what they've done to build it over their growth as a company. And so I wanted to share some thoughts from that article. It was wonderful. Uh, and I want to talk through it because I'm using some of the tips from it. And I think if you're in a small business or you're growing and you're using a podcast to grow your business, it's important to think about organizational culture from the beginning. And you know, they start out this article talking about how organizational culture or culture at work is, is not everybody going out and get a beer on Friday or things like that. It's not about uh, foosball tables and, and things like that. It's it's more than that. And that's what I wanna talk a little bit about in this article. So organizational culture defines and shapes our work environment. And it's created by all of the programs, all the communications, all the behaviors within a business, within an organization, not to mention business goals and values, um, but Building good culture takes time and effort. So at your business, you're probably thinking a lot all the time about the product that you're building, the way you're finding customers and clients and the people that you're hiring, because that's critical to keeping your business running, right? But often overlooked and equally important is the culture inside. And good company culture, great company culture actually can be the secret sauce, uh, Asana talks about in this article that takes your team from just okay to amazing to exceptional they're urging in this article that good culture is achievable but it takes a team of leaders that are focused on building culture to make it happen and i've seen this myself that organizational culture is actually the key to unlocking a great business a great team ultimately your mission and all those types of things so I want to share some of their thoughts in here about how to build organizational culture, what it is, six tips that they share uh, that can help you develop a great culture. So first of all, let's talk about what is organizational culture. It's really at the core of any company. It refers to the practical and pervasive norms, best practices, operating procedures, ideals, shared values, all those things within your company. Your culture defines and shapes the work environment too. And ultimately developing your organizational culture is about building people programs to help you achieve business goals while actually staying in line with company values. And like I said earlier, culture is not about ping pong tables. It's not about getting lunch together. It's not about foosball tables and other perks. That is not culture. Perks are not culture. And I remember several of the speakers at this conference saying that. Culture actually connects three crucial parts of any organization. First of all, your organization's goals, your business goals, 
What is the organization trying to achieve in the marketplace and how does it get there? Number two is your company's values. Everything starts with the values held by leadership. I know several of my team members, they love working with Emerald City Productions because of the values that I hold for the company, the type of shows we'll work with, uh, the type of shows we won't work with, and that's important to them. And then also the people, number three, the people and the, the touch points that are in the company. Think of all your programs, all your communications, behaviors uh, in the organization. There's thousands of places that can make up this culture. Anything from budget to language to job descriptions, all of that stuff is part of organizational culture. Now, why is organizational culture or company culture important? Investing in organizational culture and leadership where team members can thrive, where they can engage with their work and feel supported is what contributes to business success these days. By leveraging your company's values, you can actually improve your business's engine, your customer support, your experience, your onboarding, recruiting, all these processes in, in your organization. Good culture actually drives employee engagement and increases retention because the team feels supported and they feel like they can do their best work. Um, with a strong culture and values, you can build team-oriented practices so the team can get their work done. You can reduce friction between team members so that they can get things done. You can ensure that everybody feels welcome in your organization, regardless of their gender, their race, their appearance, their identity. And you can connect everything back to your organization's mission, your why, right? So everyone knows why they're important. What part of the puzzle are they? And you can also establish standards for teamwork, collaboration, and team building across your organization. And I know a lot of these words sound like buzzwords. You hear them a lot. But think about it. It really is important how people get along, how people interact with one another, how people communicate. I've been fascinated recently uh, we, you know, of course, during the pandemic, got a Disney Plus subscription and watching some of the documentaries about the making of certain movies and uh, like at Pixar or when they're working on Frozen 2, how they communicate within the con company, who works on what, how they help each other out, how they share ideas. That culture is really important. And here's a, co a quote from the article that's um, from the head of... Uh, the, the title is the head of people operations at Asana. And her quote, Anna Binder is her name. The quote is, for us, it's mission critical that our culture enables our employees to do their most impactful work as effortlessly as possible. This supports the business, enables us to achieve our mission, and ultimately enhances employee satisfaction and growth. You may have heard me talk about in episodes before, uh, why companies should use podcasts internally to communicate, to to onboard, to train, because of the cost of turnover, the cost of hiring someone and onboarding them and them finding out that they don't fit with your culture or they don't like your culture. So having this important and central in, in all your processes is, is really important. So let's talk about here in this article, they, they suggest when to begin developing organizational culture. And they say, do it as soon as possible. Start right away. Because the culture <laughs> will develop with or without you is what they say. The difference is without actively developing or shaping company culture, you're actually risking having a disorganized or ambiguous at, at worst framework or system or culture. 
take the time to nurture your desired culture. And if you do that, you get the strong culture that comes from intentionality rather than just letting things happen. Uh, in fact, they have a quote here from one of the founders of Asana because they have focused on organizational culture really early on from the beginning. And they found that it was a really important part of how they do business and, and support each other. So uh, Dustin Moskovitz here is one of the co-founders and he's currently the CEO of Asana says, be, pers be persistent. If you defer this work because it feels hard and distracting now, you're just setting yourself up for a much harder and eventually perhaps impossible problem to solve later. Culture reinforces itself and becomes more rigid over time. So it's important to nudge it in the right direction as early as possible. So one of the best things about this article that I loved is they share six factors um, or six tips for shaping company culture. It's essentially showing us how we can get there because every company's culture is different, right? And you want to bring that uniqueness into the discussion as you're creating these. So here are things uh, that you can do and consider when developing your company culture. Number one, build shared values, okay, and live those values. So those values are the, the foundation of a good company culture, a good organizational culture. And an organization's values really should describe how team members, how leaders should treat one another, how people can expect to be treated, and what values people at the company share. So these are things that can be developed together. Um, it shouldn't just be, you know, leader down type values, but give the team the opportunity to create their own values and discuss these together. And it might mean rethinking or refreshing your values as your company's as your company grows. It gives you the chance to look at stuff differently as your company is at a different spot in its growth. And I think that's important. Number two, they say here is invest in diversity, inclusion, and belonging as soon as possible. Uh, I can't agree more. I mean, we are a world of people of different races and, and backgrounds and ethnicities and identities. And that's important. It's a key part of your culture is to make sure that people feel like they belong. And that starts with talking about diversity and inclusion. Um, and it's not just the right thing to do. It actually can give you a competitive advantage. I've seen uh, research from Asana here, Salesforce, other large organizations where they talk about how diverse teams are more innovative. Um, they make better decisions and they're better at achieving goals because you're bringing people from different backgrounds. And that's important. So how do you how do you do this if you, if you don't have a diverse team and and admittedly you know I barely have a diverse team right now we're a small organization and it's hard but here are some ways you can embed that th thought process into your culture first of all inclusive hiring inclusive onboarding practices you know start at the beginning train you know your managers your operations people your hiring people to create that inclusive environment at the beginning of the process. Create employee groups where they are employee-led safe spaces for underrepresented underrepresented um, or underserved members of the team. Having spaces like that gives a sense of community and belonging for those team members. Have um, events where you, you know, have honest talk, candid, open conversations among team members, allowing them to be themselves and share. And then also have inclusive spaces uh, you know, 
rooms for new mothers, um, prayer rooms, gender neutral restrooms, things like that. If you're a, a completely virtual business, still think about how you can make your meetings inclusive and, and all those types of things. Now, number three on their um, factors here for building organizational culture is to ground your culture in mutual mutual trust. You know, any organizational culture, especially one that's inclusive, has to be centered on trust. Employees have to be feel safe. Team members have to feel safe. Leaders have to feel safe to be themselves and succeed as inv- individuals. So part of building a good culture is creating a space where they feel welcome um, to share ideas and thoughts. So some ways you can do this is you can hold open forums with leadership, Q&A sessions where people can talk honestly about what's going on in the company with leaders and can understand. Get feedback all the time. You know, you're going to have disagreement, but disagreement is good. And and they share here too that it's actually key to good team collaboration and, and constructive criticism in particular can help people build a closer connection with each other. Um, and then also to increase visibility across projects. You know, people sometimes just want to know what's happening, why a decision was made. And I've talked about this, of course, when I talked about enterprise podcast. A podcast is a great way across, especially a larger company, to communicate some of this information for the, the leader at the top, the CEO that may never get to meet everybody to share important information like this about decisions and the why behind things. Now, the fourth factor they hear is to distribute responsibility where appropriate, okay? Giving team members ownership and parts of the decision-making process because when people feel like they have ownership, they feel like they're responsible for something and they're not just a cog in the machine, okay? They're a valued contributor. And one of the other co-founders of Asana has a quote here that I really liked. He says, Justin Rosenstein here says, when everyone on a team is empowered and trusted to manifest their full potential, each person becomes capable of so much more, which makes the company capable of so much more. Our experience is that with the right team, distributed authority results in organizations that are happier and more effective in accomplishing their most ambitious missions. Uh, I remember, you know, when I worked at Circuit City and, and other retail stores, we had things called areas of responsibility. And apparently Asana uses those as well, that if you're assigned an area of responsibility, you are in charge of that and you have decision-making responsibilities in your area of responsibility. So factor five here is to increase clarity and reduce silos. Again, it's similar to the last one that it, clarity and understanding is good, um, good for working environments. Too often there's walls or silos put between teams and they don't communicate with each other. Again, this goes into what I've talked about with enterprise podcasting. The marketing department isn't often talking to the engineering department or the communications department isn't talking with the research and development department. Having the ability to communicate between those departments is really helpful. And uh, Sana includes some research in here is that um, Apparently, only 26% of knowledge workers have a very clear understanding of how their individual work relates to company goals. So, you know, 
if you're setting goals in a slide deck for an annual report with a board, and then you're not telling the goals and the why of those goals to the whole company and all the employees, it's you're setting yourself up for failure. So look for ways that you can track goals, look for ways that you can communicate the how and why of things across different departments or across between different team members that have different responsibilities. So my operations manager talking with my project managers and talking with our copywriters and editors so that the editors who are only working on editing the audio of a podcast understand what the copywriters are doing and what they need and understand what the project managers are then going to do when they're publishing so that everybody can help each other. And their final factor here, number six, build great hiring and onboarding processes. Okay, so they mentioned this earlier in the article that culture starts at the beginning. The first time someone interacts with a company, and I've talked about Marriott and Geico and Disney and how they use podcasts to from the start establish what their culture is so that people that apply already know what they're getting into. So when you're hiring, there's some things you can do um, to, to create a strong company culture. You know, just pay equity, accessible compensation for people. Make sure you're, you're not um, unconsciously biasing based on someone's um, gender, identity, background, all those types of things. And then stop, they, they suggest stop evaluating culture fit. A lot of times you'll you might interview someone and say, "Oh yeah, they they might be a good culture fit for us or what we have, or you got some positive vibes from them while you're interviewing them." But the problem is because of bias, we're more likely to feel that way about people who are similar to us, and putting on some blinders in in a way and and not looking at culture fit right away uh, is is probably one of the best things because if someone showed up and they know about your culture a little bit, they're interested in being a part. You know, think about how they embody your organization's values. Think about how they align with your mission versus, oh, they'd be a fun person to have here or they feel like me and they look like me, so I I would like that. Um, And then also upfront, say how important diversity and inclusion is for your company. And once you've hired people, Continue to let them know how much inclusion matters and create support and structure for new hires. People, you know, someone that they can talk to, a buddy, a manager. Um, you know, I, at this conference, I remember a, several of the speakers talking about the number one reason that most people leave or resign or quit a job is because of their direct relationship with their manager their relationship with the person who is managing them. So employee satisfaction really comes down, I think one, if I remember, it was like 75% of their reason for satisfaction in a job is their relationship with their supervisor. And that's that's a big deal. And again, uh, at the, you know, in onboarding, make sure people that are coming in have materials, have time, have what they need to succeed. Uh, you know, we just recently hired a new operations manager, and and that's a big task to learn all of our operating procedures. And I knew, you know, I need knew to make sure, like forty five days, sixty days, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a period where you're learning this stuff, and there's gonna be hiccups, and there's gonna be mistakes, and things like that. And just making sure that that person knew 
we were going to support them during that time and help them. And my team has been amazing at helping new people as they've come onto the team. Uh, and I want to include one last quote here from Asana's head of diversity and inclusion when talking about onboarding. Sonia Gittens Otley says, onboarding is a pivotal moment for making employees feel included from day one. It sets the tone for a person's tenure at your company, laying the foundation for their knowledge of and experience working for your company. This is why building an inclusive onboarding experience is so important to creating an inclusive company culture. To wrap up here, good, good culture really starts with commitment. It takes time and dedication, but the result is that it can enable your team to do their most impactful work. So if you're just getting started, take some of these tips that I've shared um, and remember that your team members will shape the culture as well. So when in doubt, lean into honesty and transparency. So I hope this has been helpful. I want to encourage you. I, I know you you probably already heard the, the ad at the beginning of the episode, but take a think, <laughs> take a think, think about our my new membership site, the Podcaster Pod. Uh, I think some people have thought, oh, it's for new podcasters. It's for people who are just starting out. But the, of the 50 that are in there right now, I think we have a pretty even split. It's about 20 to 30 are experienced podcasters, people who have been podcasting for a year or more. And there's also some new podcasters. So we're not just talking in there about getting your podcast started, but we're talking about growing your podcast. We're talking about business strategy. We're talking about we're bringing in experts that can help with that. And I hope you're appreciating some of these episodes that I do that aren't specifically podcast centric. And I want to encourage you to check out the podcaster pod because if you join, you know, you get access to the course if you're starting out, but then you get access to a community right now of 50 podcasters who have thoughts and have ideas and have been through this um, or are going through this now. And you've got me and you've got my team in there and you've got my network of other experts in all types of business strategy and branding and marketing in addition to digital marketing and SEO and, and podcast things like how to podcast PR and all those types of things. So please, 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 I urge you to take a look at the podcaster pod. You can find out more at dannyosmond.com slash pod. And we're still running our uh, sort of initial price of $27 a month to join to get all of those things. And if you use the code JOINPODPOD, you get a free month as well. So please check that out. And I look forward to seeing you next week here when I release my next episode.